welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, Paul Thorpe has returned from Espana. Gavin Cheatham's made it back safely from Chelmsford. I got back quickly from the doctors. And Dave Bryant back. I don't know quite where he's been. And finally, Josh Dalton has finished cutting his grass. Settle down, get a nice gin and tonic, and enjoy the best football banter show around. I got a name for each one of my headaches. What do you know about the line of madness? I need a new part of new lines. Anything if it's good for your head. You can donate your heart to science, but it won't bring you back from the dead. I got a feeling that I can't let go. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Football Bloody Hell. Yes, it's Monday again, and joining us on tonight's show is thus, starting with Mr. A.D. Hopper. How are you doing, Aid? I'm okay, old dog. I'm okay. Excellent. Normally you say, it's not me, it's the others. Is that the same this week? Yeah, probably. Having to sit through that nauseating bloody game yesterday afternoon. I mean, it's, uh, yeah... Because I had I had double whammy, didn't I? I had a nauseating game on Saturday afternoon as well. So yeah, not I'm good. Sh- I'm sure we will get into that very very soon. Yeah, yeah. Also joining us this evening is Mr. Gav Cheetham. How are you doing, Gav? Very good, thanks, Dave. Evening, everyone. Good evening to you. Also joining us this evening because he's back in the country at least for a couple of days. It's Mr. <laughs> Paul Thorpe. How are you doing, Thorpey? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Excellent, excellent. And our additional guest tonight, making it a five-man squad tonight, is former Yeovil Town captain, Mr Josh Staunton. How are you doing, Josh? Very well, thank you. Good to see you all, lads, and, and nice to be back on. Excellent. Have you missed this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, pro- it's as professional as ever, so... Uh... <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's not like it's, it, we've had three run-ups at trying to introduce yeah. everybody to get things going. So we'll get straight into it then. So, Josh, while we do have you, obviously since leaving Yeovil, you've had a little spell at, at Boreham Wood and now you find yourself at Paul Town. For those that don't know, could you just sort of talk us through how that all came about? Well, I had a phone call off the the Boreham Wood manager just over Christmas and I've, I've always gotten well with Luke and... He asked me to go down there. They wanted me to the end of the season, but I kind of we kind of agreed on a non-contract just because of well, short-term contract just because of the situation of being away from home a lot with a with a newborn. Uh, and I really liked it down there. It was a, it was a really good club. Uh, we were unbeaten in my time there. We just grinded out some draws, and and the boys there seem to have gone in a good direction since. So uh, I'm happy. I went there and kind of 
give it a go, but it was just it was just too much. The travelling was 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 relentless, and and being away from home for a long, long time, a week, it was it took its toll. And I think as you get older and you and your priorities change, kind of you get a bit of a different perspective on life. And if I was twenty two, I would have travelled the country and and chased a dream. But uh, I think my heart wasn't with Bournemouth. I don't think that's disrespectful to say. I think my heart belonged to one club, and and it was kind of like not going through the motions, but it was a real test of character to go there, get myself up at five o'clock in the morning to travel down and then stay down all week. So uh, we kind of made a decision to, to just part ways and it was very amicable and, 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 I, and I'm and i really thankful for them because they made it really easy. They kind of supported me in the decision in terms of wanting me to stay but understood my situation. And, and then... I kind of got, I got a call from Matt Tubbs and and he invited me down to Paul and it was just one of those things I think with the with with life moving on a bit away from football I wanted to give myself a position where I could still play and and hopefully really get some love back for the game and and go and enjoy myself alongside other other interests really and um, and so far so good our results haven't been great we've actually been playing really well we've just been on the wrong side of decisions and uh, like little little decision making at times, and we just did. I see you've got your goal scoring touch back. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> it's probably it'll go down. I think the worst goal of my career. I think it, was, <laughs> it fell to me. I kind of kicked everything, took everything with it, and just about got the ball to the goal, and, and it took a massive deflection. I honestly don't think it would have got to the goal if it didn't take the deflection. <laughs> but everyone was telling me it's a screamer of rifle in the bottom corner, but it, it, no, it was a. Uh, <laughs> People, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, keep keep trying, old dog. Yeah. Just keep trying. Yeah, I know. I used to. Thorpe used to tell me about a fifty-pound goal bonus. So I don't know where that's. Going. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know that still carries over, but Thorpe's got point in the corner. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's a, it's a good little club. It's um, it's a club which wants to go on a project. They play nice style of football. Matt Tubbs down there is a really good upcoming manager. It's nice to try and be on board and, and help. Almost like I've had several conversations with Thorpe about it, and over over the Christmas period, it's almost like I wanted to give back a bit to football because I, I feel like I'd, I'd given a lot to it, and I think now I, there's a I have a I could kind of see myself taking on a role where I can kind of help the younger lads in that environment where they make decisions because it's a it's a, it's a decent level. It's, it's not like it's not like pub football by any means, and there's some good, really good players out there down there, and a lot of the young lads are, are chasing the dream of full-time football and, and others are set in life in terms of like part-time football. So I really felt like I could add to a, a group and add to the game a bit and kind of get my teeth stuck in, help people who might need a bit of guidance along the way and and just go really just get back to playing football with a smile on my face and, and a little bit less pressure and just um, focus on things away away from football as well because I think... Like everyone knows my issues I've had with my knees and and it's like trying to build something where if football goes kaput tomorrow I'm not I've, I've got to provide my family at the end of the day and, and, and my little girl is the most important thing to me and and it is like it's yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy I think I'm happy with the decision I, I've yes. I've kind of I'm at peace with the decision to walk away with full time football definitely for now anyway 
and I'll get my teeth stuck into other things. I'm 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 really busy. <laughs> I'm working at the moment. It doesn't help with some landscaping in between my my grass jobs while the weather's not being great. And um, yeah, I'm 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 smiling ear to ear. Really, I'm grinning. I just wanted to quickly ask on the um, you mentioned about your decision to um, to part ways with Warrenwood. Was that with going down to part time football in your mind at that point, or was that just a prerequisite of having had that discussion at Warrenwood and then you found the offer from Paul following um, that, yeah, and it just sort of fell hand in hand? Yeah, it kind of just fell into place. Really, I was I I had loads of conversations with Megan, and I was aware a lot a lot of the time during the week, and, and the travelling was an awful lot in terms of financially. It was a lot traveling down there being away from my daughter was hard like Megan took a lot of strain being having Bella every night on her own and things like that and it was it was weighing it up and, and I just said look for now I'd, I'd got I'd got myself in a position mentally where I didn't need football I didn't really I wasn't like I I, I could see for the first time in my life I could see a life past football mm-hmm. and um, I said look I can. We can just kind of kick the can along the road. I can stay here for another couple of months, but you're you're going to be tired. You've got a life of your own. So it was important. I came back and and done the right thing as a father. I think and 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 fortunately, I wasn't actively looking. I'll be honest. I was kind of taking a a break from from football because I just kind of the way I was thinking about it. I just thought that maybe time away will be really <coughs> entice me to want to come back, kind of thing. And um, and then Paul rang. And I thought that it, it works for all parties, really. And I knew a couple of lads down there, like Evo. And it was, and I'm happy. I've done it. I'm really happy because I think there's a different dynamic in, in full time and part time football. And there's that. There's a re- they're a real good group of lads, and it's funny. And training twice a week takes a lot less toll on my knee. And, and I felt I feel really good. And and I'm just getting back to to playing almost like with a bit of freedom I've never had because I've been in the academy since I was seven so I've never really played any football just for without feeling like I've got the weight of my world weight of the world on my shoulders and and it is still important at Bourne don't get me wrong I don't go there having a jolly up but it's all relative isn't it and and, and your life isn't revolved around football there's not Monday training Tuesday training they can't they're not going to bring you in on a Sunday if you lose kind of thing and, and it's kind of just given me a real break from it mentally because I've had a tough well it's been there's been some tough tough periods in the last four years and and I think a little refresh does does everyone the world a good really. Thorpe? Well I think this also there's a couple of elements of this. Is one that that, that Josh has already uh, alluded to that he's been you know I started at seven years old and being you know getting into Bristol Boys and then going being attached to Bristol City right through to sixteen. You know, and, and Joshua being the same, but also, you know, you, as a youngster, you, all your dream is just to play football, and that's all you want to do. And as you become a little bit more mature later on in life, you, you know, you've got to realise that, you know, even though you still love the game of football, or hopefully love the game of football, um, it's not always that case, is that other things take over. Children come along, don't they? And, you know, you, you love your kids as I, as I do, as everybody does, as you do, Dave, and we all do, like, and then there's special little characters coming through, and developing into their life as well and but it's also when you, you go down to sort of like from out, out of like full time football into non league football, I think that you know that the you also see a different side of football and the dedication of non league footballers. You know, the amount of time that like Josh is now having to work, you know, in the in the in the daytime doing his 
fantastic things with his lawns and you know the, the the grass and looking after cricket pitches and football pitches, rugby pitches and all that. But also then he's got to go then push his body through evening training as well and then do the weights and the. Can I just come in on that thought? Yeah, because you mentioned about. Um, josh's business and he mentioned it there do you know what yeah. you've been good for us josh for the last couple of years do you want to give yourself a little bit of free advertising just for, <laughs> just, for, yes. just just for just for 20 <laughs> seconds the floor is yours mate oh, if you give, give it a quick minutes. plug funny enough i've got one of my t-shirts on so um so uh no i've just i've, I've sorted i've started a, a high-end pitch uh lawn care and and pitch care maintenance company uh I've been really, really amazed by the feedback I've had in terms of branding and, and the help people have given me. And yeah, so if anyone needs, and if anyone's in love with their garden and, and wants some high-end garden care, give me a call and you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram and, and, and oh yeah, thanks for the, thanks for the platform. Let's give it another plug. I've actually seen these lawns and I'll tell you now, I've, I've never... I'm not just saying it because I know, know Josh and uh, I, I cannot tell you how good these lawns are. You know, the work that he puts into it. And uh, You should have that on the side of the van. Paul Thorpe says. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, honestly, it's incredible. When I, when I first showed my wife the pictures, she literally thought it was fake and it's not fake and it's uh, they're, that, they're that good. So uh, if anybody does want to have fantastic lawns, then Josh is definitely the man. I can tell you that. So uh, just to confirm, Josh as well, Staunch on the grass. Yeah, Staunch on the grass. So can I just? Yeah. What you've done is brilliant, but all I would say is I'm quite disappointed that you've not gone for Josh Launton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I tell you, you can charge money for you can charge. You can have that free of charge if you ever, you know, you need a. Funny enough, if you get going, me, have that in the back pocket. I really like that actually. Me, me and Jamie Sanders White made made it up um, on one one evening. We were sitting down and we were like playing around because it was a it was a running gag. And we used to say like, someone would say, "Oh, where's Staunch?" in the dressing room, and I'd always be out in the grass talking to the groundsman, <laughs> doing things like that. So always, uh, someone would say, "Oh, Staunch on the grass," and that's how kind of how it come about. And and it's and it's stuck since then. And I. I thought oh, I'll stick with that for now, and um, but I do like Josh Lawton. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Only Dave he's great. He's great. Dave like the one-liners. I just think that the the opportunity for something outside of, of football and the, the passion he's got for it is, you know, but he shows that in the football as well. So is it, there's going to be a lot of younger players at Paul Town going to be benefiting from from his experience, and um, you know, for me. I hope it's not a short-term thing. I hope it's a long-term, um, you know, uh, playing career at, at Paul because I certainly think that playing non-league will elongate his career in his knee. But also, if they if it kicks off well and you know, there's, there's, a, there's an avenue into probably the coaching and the development of younger players as well. So I think it's a great, exciting opportunity, not just for his business, but it's for his family, but also for Paul Town and the youngsters around there as well. Josh, if you, you if you charge anything like you, you've heard of Green Thumb, yeah, I've, I, do you know what? I've had a lot of people contact me who were Green Thumb. I don't think, I don't know if you're allowed to. I don't know. You can't get legally well, careful. Done it, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I've had a lot of people contact me. Not happy with the prices. No, well, they put the prices up because we used to have them and we blowed them out because it was a it was a big rise, you know. 
So if you can get the contract signed straight after this and you'll be yeah. you never have to look back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's, he used to come out and he'd be there for about, I don't know, five minutes usually, chuck a bit of green stuff down or whatever, and off he's gone, you know, and then 35 quid down the, down the Swanee, you know? Yeah, well, well just, that, yeah, I, will, um, I do do feed plans, so if anyone is looking for alternative, uh, alter- alternative options please give me an email and i will be happy to size your garden up and, and price you give you a price no, in, not good in, for my astroturf in the meantime <laughs> i think you need to uh, get yourself together and get a little advert sorted out and then we'll play it for you yeah yeah i will do yeah i should do actually thank you yeah i appreciate the help Okay. I have, to get, I have to get Dave on it with his with his one line <laughs> yeah. and radio voice. Yeah. Don't, don't you worry, there, mate. We'll talk about Actually, yeah. there is an opportunity for us all to join in with this advert. I think that this <laughs> could be uh, this could be absolutely revolutionary. It could be mayhem as well. I think, but still, <laughs> yes, the only worry is we'll have a we'll have an hour slot on on like a Tuesday night talking about grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? You're only good at cricket squares. I love a cricket square, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Then you better come out the parrot and have a look at ours. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So, so grass chat aside, let's um, let let's move it along because we've got Mr. Gav Cheatham joining us uh, tonight. Gav Three Valleys commentator, of course. He was at the game, um, for Three Valleys Radio on Saturday to watch the Oval Town, and unfortunately, they went down one nil to Chelmsford City. Gav, um. You were there, as I said. First of all, what what did you make of the performance? It was um, it was a very tight game because before kickoff, it was third place Chelmsford at home to obviously we're top at the moment. And um, the first half, it was um, not many chances at either side really. A sort of pot shot from Worthy from like thirty five yards that was tipped over by the keeper. Um, a one where. Um, a long diagonal, Jay Falston took a bit of a heavy touch in their right winger, Jermaine Francis, who had a good game throughout, sort of quite pacey, got into the penalty box. But uh, fortunately, from our point of view, we dragged it, he shanked it a bit and he went across goal and out for a goal kick. But um, there wasn't an awful lot of goal mouth action. Um, we were mostly missing Jordan Young starting this two-game suspension. So um, Dylan Morgan was in and Jordan Stevens coming back to fitness. Um started the game but he, I didn't really see him they played really well their full backs I didn't really see either Dylan Morgan on one wing and um, Jordan Stevens on the other didn't really isolate their full backs and get behind them and uh, either the service went right or they didn't you know get the ball out of their feet and run at them so um, so that was a shame and then um, so it's nil-nil at the break and then second half um, it's a bit more of a open game and then um Unfortunately, um, it looked like it was going to be a stalemate. And then um, there's a bouncing ball. It was originally given to Charlie Ruff, the Chelmsford top scorer. But I think on the highlights, it was uh, actually Morgan Williams got the last touch. So it was a uh, own goal, even though the stadium announcers, like like Ian at home, doesn't they don't like to give it to a player, do they? So, uh, Evening, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and then by, by this time, Alex Fisher had come on and um, he was putting himself around a bit. Uh, Fish had a goal disallowed for offside. We were sort of on the halfway line, so it was difficult to see from our vantage point whether it was off or not. But Alex was um, quite outraged. I haven't seen Alex like that before. He was quite furious with the assistant uh, that he had been flagged. And then um, 
Uh, Dorsey come on, Charlie Keeper very late. He went to like sort of wing backs for the last sort of five minutes or so. But um, we did get some balls into the box, but it just didn't seem to be anyone on the end of it. And so a sort of tight game between two sides near the top was settled on a sort of like a little area at the back, really. Gav, the, the manager uh, um, after the game in his uh, post-match comments was was very critical of the officials. What did you think? Yeah, I, yeah, I did hear Mark Cooper's interview afterwards, and um, there was like there was like one challenge. There was like a, a lunge on uh, Falston, I think, and and he started off. He seemed to give everyone like his way. Seemed to be you do a foul, let you off with a little talking to, and then the second indiscretion, you went into the book, and he'd done that a couple of times. But I mean, some of the fouls were worthy of yellows from the outset, you know, regardless of whether it's five, ten, right at the end of the game. And I think if it's a bad foul, it should be punished whatever time of the uh, time of the game it is. And there was one where um, uh, Dylan Morgan, who's quite muscular, you know, he sort of got a good challenge in, won the ball. I didn't even think it was a foul. And the referee not only gave um, a three kick to Chancellor, but he also cautioned Dylan Morgan. So I can see where Mark Cooper's coming from. There was some um, questionable cautions. And then towards the end, he seemed to be waving his... Uh, Waving his yellow cards around like confetti, so uh, yeah, not um, not the not the best uh, official we've had at this level. But then we we do have that a lot, don't we, at this this sort of level and uh, and the level above, unfortunately. Josh, what's what's the refereeing like in in Paul Towns League? Brilliant. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you expect him to say there? I will. He say they are awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone ever says a rest are good. But I'll be honest. I ref the. I, ref, I remember when I was at Gillingham. I refed an under sevens game, and that they are tough. That was refing is hard. So mm. I, I'm. I, I try and get on with the refs because they're all, they're only human beings, aren't they? And it's really really tough job, especially in especially this level when you probably get the probably. National League probably any real real good refs get snapped up by the EFL quickly. So you so you're mm. taking on refs who are a little bit less experienced and experience is massive like in any in any walk of life, but refereeing you think that game on Saturday, what was it, first be I don't know where Chance was, second, third, were they? Second they were third, they gone third, second, they gone second so like, they giving, Yeah, if you're giving a a a, a referee a, a game where he might not have dealt with that's kind of because pressure is all relative. If you've not meant man a uh, the game like that, first versus third, in if that's the highest league you've ever refed in, is a massive game, isn't it? And yeah, and you do you try and you do they might lose their call, and I try and give them an easier ride because it is it is a really really hard job, and I definitely don't envy them because I done some we done some presentation even not far not long ago with with the. Like the Somerset FA, and they were awarding all these awards to like young lads who are reffing and young kids who've got a passion for reffing and things like that. And, and it's admirable, and, and like you kind of have to take stock and think without them youngsters who have a passion for something which, let's be honest, not many of us would do because it's really hard and, and you get absolutely hammered, the game wouldn't work, would it? So, I think the thing yeah. is with refereeing, I mean, on the one hand. It is a hard job, and, and, and you're quite right when you say that. It's, it's a very hard job. But equally, it's, it's a hard job being a football manager as well. And sometimes a referee's decision, if it's not correct, it could cost that bloke his, his, his job. 
and if it costs him his job, how's he going to pay for his mortgage and all the rest of it? So the, the implications are there, you know. And, and if if the referees aren't right up to scratch, you know, you're going to get those sort of uh, anomalies, and it's going to be very hard to take. But they're not going to be, are they? Let's be honest. We were in the sixth tier of English football. Yeah, they're getting paid what on pound a game. Be realistic, and we all get into football knowing that mistakes and other people's mistakes might have cost us and if we're gonna like if we're gonna live in some utopia where we think we're everyone's level is their level isn't it like man, players managers refs we are you are where you are like i, I don't go to pool town and expect the gr- hammer the groundsman for the pitch being not like man united and i can't hammer the ref for not being like i would expect them in a premier league because i'm not a premier league footballer and they could turn around to me and say exactly the same to me. Like, well, you've given the ball away four times today. And I think if you try and just keep respectful, it's really, it's really, really difficult. And, and you're right, like, everyone's a passionate game and we all get really irate about it. But when you try and take take heed of the actual situation there, they're young people who, 90% of the time, they like people like my age, who are doing it for, it's not massive money, is it? So they're not doing it for the money, they're doing it for their love of what they do. So... I always try and cut them some slack and don't get me wrong, I've, I've fallen out with refs, but I try <laughs> to, afterwards, to try and show them that I'm a human being and, and we're not going to fall out over a game of football because there's so much more to life than it. I think I'd be bloody good, actually. The only thing I can't sort of figure out is whether I could get a, an invalid carriage that could, you know, get around quickly enough on the pitch and not sort of churn it up at the same time. It'd be, it'd be difficult, yeah. I think. But... but one thing I will say about refs is I, I, I think they're put in a hard position because they don't make the rules, do they? Mm. So, like, everyone's just trying to govern by these set of rules which are made by people right at the top who don't have to go and walk on the pitch. Like, In fact, they're probably in the worst position now they've ever been in office. Exactly. Like, we, we know, like, we mm. know full well if, if someone's gone to hurt someone or someone's not gone to hurt someone. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. But they have to do it by the letter of the law. So... Mm. When you play the game and, and wrestle, know through experience, like, but you have they're they're refing by textbook. They're not. You can't go out and say, "Well, I'll give him one here because he's a knight because he didn't mean it." They have to exactly like you say, Gav. Like after five minutes, they should be by the letter of law. If a tackle's in the eighty-fifth minute or the first minute, the repercussions should be the same, shouldn't they? Yeah. Whereas yeah. back in the old days, I remember. I remember when I was even younger. Everyone used to say. Get smash him on the first. One. I remember Stilly said, "Give him one on the first one. You're not going to get booked in the first one." Yeah, yeah. Get well, it in as early as you can. Yeah, yeah. Just let him know you're, he's in the game. Yeah, let him there. Mm. So, so I don't know. So I think like I've my perspective on referees has really changed after doing that Somerset FA award thing because I saw so many young people who were like really, really proud of what they've achieved and. So they should be because they've got a lot of bollocks to do it, really, because it's not easy. And without them, we have to understand we are playing at this level, so we're not going to get, we can't have wages like 100 grand a year referees in the Premier League. Gav, if I can just bring you back in just to wrap up the final point on um, Yeovil from the weekend, that despite the defeat, uh, the only the fifth defeat of the season, um, Worthing, I think I'm right in saying that was their second defeat on the bounce. So Yeovil still find themselves in a comfortable position, twelve points clear in a, in a game in hand. It can't can't be all can't be all that bad, is it really? 
no, like they like say, Worthing lost on Tuesday and then lost again on Saturday and Chelmsford actually did drop them into second. And interestingly, Chelmsford, uh, we've not got a game tomorrow, but Chelmsford are at Farnborough, so I'm sure Mark Cooper and his uh, toddy and that will be going up to see that. So, uh, scouting ahead of, obviously, Yeovil's trip to... Um, yeah, we got them Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, we got them yeah, Saturday. Got Saturday so, yeah. so, that's so, a really good game to go and watch, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, even if Chelmsford, you know, do worst-case scenario for us, if they do win, they'll still be not behind us and we will have a game in hand then because we're level on points uh, games played with Chelmsford but we've got a game in hand still on uh, Worthing so uh, and when we play I think when we play Averley on uh, the Monday after so we've got two games in uh, just over four, a little over 48 hours on, on that same night Chelmsford and Worthing meet at Chelmsford so uh, mm. obviously can't both win big games draw, draw that yeah they are Monday night who would have thought Boy, Sky, I'm snapped him up. <laughs> MNF, National League South. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we talk about um, all the results from the weekend, because obviously there's some that almost half of us are want to uh, to talk about uh, tonight. It was announced earlier today that Everton's point deduction uh, has reduced from ten points down to six after an appeal. Um, Adi, I'll come to you first. Is this a decision? Do you think that we're we're all expecting? I think by definition, it's hard to kind of gauge whether or not the um, the points deduction was was harsh to begin with. What what did you make of the whole affair? Well, I think the first thing that struck me was that uh, Nottingham Forest must be rubbing their hands in glee because the fact that they've reduced it uh, and and more or less admitted that they were a bit uh, a, a bit too savage with the uh, with the punishment. That would indicate that you'd like to think, unless Forrest have committed some really, you know, terrible sins, that there, if they are going to get a points deduction, which seems likely, it's not going to be ten points, because I should I suggest that you know because they'd have a a, a great um, aspect for an appeal if they if they got done ten points and they would say well hang on a minute you know our our, our sins were were not as much as as evidence so. They they have by by doing what they've done they've set a precedent now and I think that's if if you're one of the uh, guilty clubs then you're going to be thinking well that's not quite so bad it could be going to six points sort of thing which is possibly manageable depends where they're you're also, in the league doesn't it? I said they're also saying there's a possibility that could be two days after the end of the season. Yeah, that's not good. So that that's not good because like then at the moment if you took the six points off of uh, not the forest now that'd be. There'll be two points behind Luton, which will then drop them into the, into the relegation. Yeah. All depending on obviously like what what pending results, but for Everton, that's now put them up to fifteenth place. Yeah. You know, and five points away from the relegation areas. Like so, uh, that has certainly been uh, a, a quite a change in the that area of the league. But if the fact that the um, the two two days two games or two days after the the last game of the season, that is so typical of the organisation within the Football yeah. League. It's, you know, couldn't somebody have said to look, hang on a minute, chaps, you know, this is going to come after the end of the season and teams aren't going to know what's going on. I mean, you know, it's, it's, is it that much of a decision to make? They've only got to meet together and have a chat about it and get it sorted. I, I find that is unbelievably typical of the Football League, I think, or the yeah. Premier oh, League. I 100% agree with you that. 100%. Josh? I'm just going to ask you boys, I don't know if you've had a um, podcast since. What do you make of the news at Torquay? 
I don't know if you've had a podcast, so I'm just asking. It's actually on the list, Josh. So, so oh, let's talk about I'm it right now. About administration. It suddenly just popped into my head. Yeah, no, dude. Well, it's geez. almost like you knew it was coming up. Yeah, I tell you that. We're not that professional here, are we? <laughs> <laughs> what list? <laughs> Sorry for jumping the gun, Dave. No, no, not at all. It, it, it does link in. You're quite right. It's all off the field related. Um, well, H, let's start with you again on that one because you said that you spoke to Gary last week, but I think that was about was about 48 hours before all the news unfolded. Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, I we we talk, we we chat, just basically talk football one thing or another, and I said to him, "You haven't thought about the R word, have you, Gary?" And he said, "R word? What's the R word?" I said, well, retirement. I said, you're getting on a bit now. <laughs> he said, no. He said, I've still got a couple of premierships, uh, not premierships, a couple of promotions in hand yet. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. I can read you the text. So, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, no, and he did say to me that, you know, he got on very well with the owner. Uh, and it seems to me like there, there was no uh, indication on, this was on Mondays, a week ago today, there was no indication at that point that this was going to happen. So he must have, the new owner or the old owner, he must have, um, he must have made the decision fairly swiftly. Whether his, his kind bank manager was on the phone to him on the Wednesday or the Tuesday, I don't know. But, uh, but of course... Well, that's the thing about it. It's quite substantial money, isn't it? Like, yeah. you keep on bankrolling that type of figures with deficit and obviously uh, any monetary that, that, that from the borrowers. It's obviously really, really difficult for them to keep it going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what, is, what is the crux of it? I've only read what I've seen on Twitter, really, and I don't know. So, uh, when did they? When did the new owner come in, or this owner come in? Has he been there a while? I think he's been there a while, a couple of years. Yeah. Ago, I would think. Yeah, but yeah. What were they on that fourth owners in in the last decade, Josh? So they've been they've had quite a bit. Because I saw they had, I saw something about they well that so they wanted to move stadium, and is that falling through? Is that what's kind of pushed jump the gun? Well, I'm not sure about uh, the, that side of it. It's just the actual like um, the debts have, have crept up to about four point seven five and possibly up to five million. So at that point, for the level of football they're in, that's uh, not sustainable, is it? Like so. Um, so the, the, yeah. So the Osborne has just said he can't. He just cannot physically keep financing those losses. So he's you know he's had to put the club into administration. But do, do you think um, that the, the whole sort of the, the glamour of, of owning a football club, and I don't really think it matters what level you're at, but it, you know, if it's a professional club in some way or other, whether it's part-time, full-time, it, it must be, um, you know, it, you go into it obviously full of expectation, full of the dream, don't you? It's a, it's a dream, especially buying a, a, a club like Torquay or Yeovil even, you know, you're going with a dream that we're going to, we're going to have this, we're going to do right up through, like Roy the Rovers, you know, right up through and get into the Premier League. So, But when it actually comes to it, it's a hell of a lot more bloody difficult to do that, isn't it? Yeah, funny, funny enough, I was having a conversation with Ruben Reed the other day. And I've always said for the last couple of years that football's a, a game what feeds on hope, like for everyone. The, everyone, you go into football with this hope. Like as a player, you have this vision, like you say, if I have a good season, I'm going to go up. Yeah leagues as a as a as a manager you say well if I have a good season I I'll get headhunted by one of the top clubs. As an owner you say I have this vision, I have this hope of doing exactly what we've said, taking it through the leagues and then probably selling and 
maximise my profit because that's a business, how a businessman works. And it does, it feeds on hope, but not everyone's lucky in football and football comes with an awful lot of luck and there's so many good people in football who don't get what they deserve and mm. Mm. there's so many of them, so like so many of it, it, like as you take a step out, it breaks your heart to see young lads who give their all and you know realistically they're going to get very little out of the game and, and, and things like that and you see like, that's one thing I've, I've really, really enjoyed about like lower league football, lower uh, part-time football is I've never realised, and and I have utmost admiration for Pat Custard at Yeovil because she was the only person I'd really seen. But there's so many like volunteers and good people who don't get what they deserve from football. Yeah, hundred percent. And and like that's what hurts when you when you look at the Torquay situation. I I th- straight away think of like then people who go and do X, Y, and Z for nothing because they love that place. And now I hope it gets sold because obviously I'm a Yeovil. I bleed green, but I, I've always enjoyed playing against Torquay. I think they're good games. I think they're the type of games you want to play as a, as a Yeovil footballer, don't you? That is much more attractive than Barrow away. And let's so face hope... it, the, the stadium is, is not bad now. It's got that new stand there. I mean, I, I would have thought, you know, from a point of view of if, if you want to buy a football club, I would have thought Torquay United you know, is not one, a bad one to buy at the moment. It's, it's a really, really good football club uh, and... Um... You know, doesn't get credit deserved, and, and and like like Josh said, for our level of football and, and just above this level of football, you know, you need the Torquay United there. You know, like again, they're a community base. Who's the Pat Custard down at Torquay United? Mm, you yeah. know, there's lots and lots of people that I remember who were helping out. You know, things like clearing the pitch and making it ready for the for the start of the season, helping with the ground because they didn't have the money. And even back when I was there, like you know, in 1984, you know, before the likes of Josh Storm were even born, like you know, it's um. You know, but it, it, it was it, it was it was a, a run club, but there were lots and lots of people doing it for nothing. You know, because they just didn't have the financial security of all the bigger clubs. You made a statement at the start of, oh, it's the same in any walks of football. I disagree with that. I think the I think the Premier League and the Championship have uh, have got far more stability with the, the amount of money that they get from the TV rights than anything like from from the. First division, second division, and, and national league, and down. I think it's a totally different spectrum. And when you're trying to balance the books, and and uh, you know, for for a lower league football, I think they they do an amazing job. Even keep these clubs going with with the type of money the likes of you know Josh Thornton's are flipping trying to get out of football clubs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Only cheap. What, what you say is right there, like. The Premier League has kind of given everyone this ideology of it's really, really easy to to make a to spin money out of a football club. Yeah. Like these, I have the utmost respect for anyone, and I know there's loads of failures. We we had one up, not not inter- we had a, a disappointing tenorship uh, in the past at Yeovil, and we all point the finger and say this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I don't think until you've walked a mile in that situation, you realise how hard it is. Like everyone will say, "Oh, I could have run Torquay better, or I could do this better, this better." Yeah. Every club that's struggling. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have to look at I, my brother. Told I think is it Rochdale is struggling as well. Yeah. 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 Rochdale. Yeah. That's a, that's a big club, which is a well-supported club, and and I don't think we appreciate how hard it is. It's exactly like Thorpe is to set Thorpe says the balance of books because everyone just sees 
in the Premier League and everyone wants like if if if, if, if you said to Rochdale fans, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna balance the books but we're gonna be ten, they'd moan. You know what I mean they, they, that's because that's what yeah. people live yeah. in, drive on hope, and they'll say, "Well, what's the point of coming to watch? We're going to come ten. Yeah. Well, the secret to that, Josh, is you don't say that, do you? Because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you, you're, you, you know, you're making out exactly what would happen if 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 people said to Martin Hellier, "Well, you know, you make sure you get into tenth place, and we'll be happy." They wouldn't be happy. They'd be moaning like hell. But, but then everyone moans when that when that chairman tries putting every penny he's got into giving. Yeah. Exactly mm. what they want, and they lose everything because at the end of the day, it's not our inheritance, is it? It's not our. If, no. It's a bit different if it's your grandchild, grandchildren's inheritance, and you're risking it for a football club. No, I think I've I think I've said this before. I mean, you, you can spend like ten million at a football club, and the fans will want you to spend twelve million. You know, right. because you didn't go for that one player, and that would have made such a difference to our to our league, and we'd have been in the playoffs, and even though you'd have lost playoffs, and you know, it, it, the fans, bless them, the fans are the fans and we love them the bits. And I absolutely adore the old town fans. But it is true that, that, that it, if, if they didn't succeed, they'd be on it. But Martin Helly would have still spent three million plus this year to keep get this football club back to on a, on, on a path where it should be, isn't it? And, and, the, and the thing, I, the thing I, I've got so much time for Martin for is he hasn't just, like I've, got so much for Martin because he hasn't just come in and just just pumped money into the team and like just gone like well there's a quick fix he's pumped so much money into the smaller details like I'm what's going on behind the Thatcher stand for a start yeah yeah the fan, like, the fan experience now is unbelievable yeah, and, and, and that's that's so much I think when as a fan fortunately everything has everything has gone to plan for us on the pitch for Yeovil but like as a fan, I think it kind of you can see the long term vision. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not just, not just like go for it or bust. It's kind of like well, in, hopefully if we put the foundation in place. And I think Martin's done a great job at doing that at Yeovil. Like the details, mm. of the experience, the stadium has gone right up. It's um, it's a really good place to go in every Saturday. And, and absolutely for- is, absolutely is. Um, we've we've got about what 15 20 minutes left um of the pod so i do want to touch obviously on the games that did happen over the weekend so gav i'm gonna come to you first yeah we're gonna have to switching off because i want to chelsea (laughs) nil liverpool won after extra time Uh, what was it gary neville said it was Klopp's kids against (laughs) the blue billionaire bottle jobs um gav cheatham what did you make of it well, it's a long afternoon, wasn't it? <laughs> it certainly <laughs> was. Draining. No, it's uh, obviously um, after they played each other last month in the league and Liverpool were so comfortable, was it 4-1? And you thought, well, they said, didn't give Chelsea really a chance of the final after that. But Liverpool have had so many injuries, you know, to key players. And and when I seen the starting line, I thought, we're still quite strong, but there's no real backup on the, on the bench. And Chelsea's score was good. And it was a... Uh, like a lot of the finals with Chelsea, pretty cagey. There was chances. Obviously, there was a Sterling um, goal that was disallowed, and then Van Dijk's header, both disallowed. But um, but um, Kelleher made some fantastic saves. He seems to um, 
Like I said, he probably would have played in the final anyway because he's like the parable cut keeper like clubs have sometimes, don't they? And, um, yeah, so he made some fantastic saves so Chelsea could maybe count themselves luck- unlucky that they didn't go ahead. But then Liverpool had chances as well. Gapo hit the woodwork, didn't he? There was uh, mm. other chances. And then when it went... Um, when it went to extra time, Liverpool brought their youngsters on and they were, you know, Gary Neville, you know, staunch uh, Man United fan he is, he was saying that Jurgen Klopp was really brave because a lot of managers would have, you know, left their Gapos and their Robinsons out there and he, they would have, you know, even though they were going to an extra 30 minutes of play, they tired bodies, but he, he just brought the youngsters on and it was like, you know, Clark was on and McConnell, and and to be honest, they didn't weaken Liverpool. And as they, as Chelsea didn't really seem to attack much during the extra time period, Liverpool and the youngsters grew into the game and they were knocking it about. And like they said after the game and before, you know, they they're all in the brought up by Alex Inglethorpe in the academy, and they all play the Liverpool way, you know, high press. And so whatever level, whatever team you're at at Liverpool, if you play the same way, so. That's why Jurgen's not been afraid to throw youngsters in, in it, and it paid dividends with, obviously, one of their more experienced ones that cost a lot. But Van Dijk's header, nice movement from the corner, and um, he was he, he, him and Canate. I thought Rex and yesterday till Canate went off and was faced by Kwanzaa. and um, yeah, I think um, Jurgen's gamble, I suppose, to throw the youngsters on instead of staying with the tried and tested, paid off in the end. What about you, Thorpey? Because before the game, I, I looked at it and I was a bit concerned about, obviously, the players Liverpool weren't able to, to put forward, but it was more about, as Gav's alluded to, I looked at the bench and thought, oh, that's, uh, that's a lot of players there that haven't got a lot of minutes anywhere, let alone in a, in, a, in a cup final. But the way I see this is, I think, if I was a Chelsea fan, obviously, I was delighted, but I think yeah. if I was a Chelsea fan, no, I'd be shit. absolutely livid You were about delighted. <laughs> I'd be absolutely livid if I saw my team with that amount of uh, experience and money ploughed into the to this Chelsea team, looking at the team that they ended up playing against by the end of extra time and not really turning up in extra time whatsoever. And it's later came out as well that Paul yeah. said that they were actually playing for penalties. I think I'd be well annoyed if I was a Chelsea fan this morning. Yeah, I think there's two elements. One, one, you, you, you want to go out and 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 win it. Why was he thinking of playing the penalties? Because maybe they weren't allowed to play as well. You know, I, listen, they had three amazing chances, and it was three world class saves from from Kelleher. Probably two world class saves and one really really good save. You know, but it also goes to show that the the the, the structure and the ethos that Liverpool have put in place since Klopp has been there has paid dividends so that he wasn't worried about putting the youngsters on because he had full trust in them. And actually, I think that the fresh legs gave them an impetus to actually take the game to Chelsea. I mean, the possession was 54% against 46. 689 passes against 587. 24 shots against 19, which were 11, were on target instead of 9. That doesn't show a weakness. That shows a strength. Through the football club, and, but but the the thing I feel sorry for for Pochettino is that he's only been there a really short time. What do they expect out of him? He's he's trying to keep this team in there, so possibly 
you know, at times when things aren't going so well, sometimes you have got to go, you know, let's just keep it tight and maybe, maybe we can win it in the penalty shootout. Maybe that is his thinking, but I feel sorry for him because it's the third final. He's lost them all. He's come up against Klopp a few times, lost those as well. And I think he's probably feeling quite low and quite down. And actually, I think he is a good manager and you can't judge him for at least, what would you say, Josh, another two or three transfer windows, and he's got to ship out a lot. A lot of bad boys which weren't his fault. A lot of long contracts which weren't his fault. Exactly, that's the thing. The Premier League is so hard to judge because the contracts are so long, aren't they? So yeah. it takes so long to move on, and especially when you've brought in on good money. No one has to take them, so no. it, you just get it sounds like money. a familiar tale, Thorpe. Sorry? Yeah. I said it sounds like a familiar tale, what you yeah. just said. You know, bad buys, bad contracts, etc. But I, I think the thing I'm, I'm a great believer in the law of averages. And, you know, I think if I was Pochettino and I'd look and I'd think Chelsea have played in five cup finals and lost the lot, this, yeah. is, this is number six. I think I'd go in there thinking, well, this is it, law of averages, we're going to do this one. So I think um, you know, uh, sooner, or later, sooner or later, the luck's got to change. I just think that, you know, uh, I think that they need to stick with him. I think he is a good manager. You can't judge him until he's got his team out there. And that's going to take a little bit of time. But is Chelsea the one team that you can't do that? Because you mentioned about two or three transfer windows, Thorpey. Well, look at the rate in which they bring people in and let people go. It will be... It it feels like they're starting again every transfer window. They're the one team. I'm not sure if you can judge them with that. No, one... They don't have a plan, do they? No, exactly. You got it right. Hit it right on the nail. They haven't got a plan. You know, and and the the person who can that's put the that plan. plan have some uh, money. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, <laughs> that's, it's not that. about. Listen, listen. They got Casado, didn't they? Like you know, and they they paid how much for him? Not a patch on Endo, Thorpe. No, exactly. <laughs> and they spent fifteen million on Endo. We're just going to bring that in. So well, you know, but it that that goes to show it's not just about. Listen, the quality of player can be awesome. I go back. I've, I've said how many times have I said this. Let's go back to Real Madrid uh, when they bought all the best players in the world. They couldn't hardly win Toffee because they're all individuals. And it's about growing and developing a team structure that is so solid and so on the right and, and on the same wavelength. And what Klopp's have been able to do, he's been able to develop that into the into the reserve team, the under-23s, the under-18s, the under-17s, the under-16s, under-15s, and right throughout the whole club. And, and that's what's making them strong. And, and for the person coming in, it's going to be one, a terribly difficult job to even keep that going because, you know, he, he's probably got his own ideas as well. But he's coming into uh, a club that's so well structured at the moment and he, and he won't want to break that up. So do, you, do you think, so though, that... if you look at, so, te- um, what's his name, Pochettino, has he got the same sort of strength... I see in the paper yesterday that they were talking about Jim Radcliffe and Eric Tan Hag, and and they said that Eric Tan Hag would always insist on having the final say on a player. Now with a, a an owner like that, uh, what's his name, Bowie, um, Bowie, Bowie, yeah, is is uh, Pochettino going to have that sort of freedom? I suspect not. I would have thought he's going to say, no, we're going to buy him, we're going to buy him. Uh, you know, they're good players, and if Pochettino doesn't think they're good players, it doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to. He's not going to have them, you know. I, I've never—I don't know about Josh, but I've never understood this. Where, you know, 
a director of football brings a player and the coach becomes just a coach to bring out the player, best of those players. Because it might not, you, you, you get by a player and you go, well, I don't want him. Yeah, exactly. The only way that works is if you've been is if you have like the same director football, same manager who work together all the time. All the time. Unbelievable. Yeah. Or they've been doing it for years. I think Exeter yeah. works quite well. Like they bring fitter style, but but then the recruitment of the manager is so important because ultimately they they have to fit the philosophy of the club. Whereas Chelsea don't don't really have a philosophy, do they? And and it's a really strange, especially. From my growing up, in terms of Chelsea was the youth team, it still is, I think. I think they're the best youth team signed for, but I don't know how they do it. I don't know if they mirror the first team. I don't know. I don't think they do. I think they're just like a standalone team who goes and buys the best players and stockpiles them. It's quite, it's, it's, it's quite sad, really, because they've they have the platform teams like that to really showcase a way to do it, and it's just like time after time. I don't know. I don't. I think the Premier League has proven these days that you don't just come in and get immediate success it's impossible mm. because there's so even more so well, well talking of which ad you mentioned um earlier right at the top of the show <laughs> about the results over the week the weekend so yeah. do you want an opportunity to just get a little bit of therapy in what happened with your team at the weekend 2-1 um to fulham what were your thoughts on that terrible again I don't understand. Having I mean, got back into it right at the yeah, very end as well. I mean, we've won five games on the trot. Now you don't you don't do that playing badly. Now, all right, people might say they're still not playing great. They're not, but they're, they're, they were getting results, and that was the important thing. They were getting results, but to to turn up like they did again on Saturday, it was it was pitiful. Talk about painful watching. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It, it, it was it was very very poor, and uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I was gutted. I, I, you know, I just when you were listening on the radio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gutted. Were well, you I... not listening to me then, AD? Channel <laughs> said. I was. <laughs> I, do you know what? I, this is a genuine excuse. I had to get a new power lead for my laptop because I always listen to the football on the laptop and watch the telly at the same time. So unfortunately, Amazon didn't deliver it until six o'clock at night, so I couldn't listen to you. But you yeah, still had yeah, six hundred yeah. odd people listening. Oh Look wow. Oh, that's very, very good. Very, very good. I just want to look at the fact that we won't get a chance to go through all the results. So we'll touch on it on um, on the pod later this week. But there's a big win for Arsenal. Manchester City getting a very close win against Bournemouth. Josh, it does look like it's going to be a three-horse race towards the end of the season. Do you see it being that? We're looking at the results at the weekend. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was more interested in the snooker at the weekend. But... Um... <laughs> I always find so this was... Premier League roundup's going well. I always find a way not to watch. <laughs> and welcome um... to UK Snooker podcast. With <laughs> just did they not tell you that it's not grass the that they grass. play on? <laughs> it's hard to look past. It's really hard to see past Man City. Always, I just think they just know how to win, don't they? Like they always just churn out result after result at the end of the season. It's it's incredible. And same think... this weekend, just did enough. Yeah, they just, uh, goal on the rebound, that'll do inside 20 minutes or whatever it was and saw it out. I find him really boring. I think they like just dominate games and just win. It's, there's no flair. It's just pure domination. And I, I just can't see anything other than Man, man um, United man, <laughs> than, than Man City. I just really can't. I just sit, say the same thing every year. Like, it killed me if Liverpool won it, I think. But Yeah, me too. Shut up. <laughs> 
Me too. Uh, Put it away, David. Put it away. <laughs> I should have brought my Jurgen Klopp yeah, cut we, out we, for this one. Uh, I, He's bet, I, bet you, I bet you. Um, I bet you. Let's not go mad. A fiver, right? <laughs> oh, gambling on there as well. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I bet you a fiver that despite all the talk about. Oh, you know... That's Gav Cheatham's fiver I've got in front of me, but go oh, yeah, on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Despite all the talk about, oh, you know, the pressure and it's getting to me and I need to take a break and all this sort of thing, when when either Bayern Munich or the German national team come along with an offer, your mate Jürgen's going to change his mind. Depends when... What you mean if he t- takes it at, so he's at, at managing end, somewhere by the end of by the start of next season? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. All I'll say is he's apparently building a house, a big house in Spain. Oh, is he? Mm. Have you been building it? Is that why you've been out there? That's why I've been out there. What you've been plastering the walls, have you, Swarthy? Yeah, doing a little bit of drywall out there. You know what I mean? We are Jurgen. Well, you might as well put your business now. <laughs> yeah, and Josh is going out to do his lawnmower back after. Yeah, yeah, over, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Paul thought dry lawn in conjunction with uh, sports on the grass. <laughs> I'll get. I'll have to get you to drop a flyer in. Um, you know. <laughs> uh, Gavin, if you've got any business interests you want to flog on here now, you might just as well <laughs> as everybody <laughs> else has. It's a bit unfair for me. Me and Dave and you, eh? We haven't yeah. got any businesses to um, No, exactly, mate. <laughs> But if anybody oh, wants you. to advertise on Three Valleys Radio, we could do you a <laughs> bloody good Go deal. Can't you. <laughs> I can't, can't really advertise the NHS. Uh, got a problem? See a doctor or try to. <laughs> oh, I've just been to see a doctor. I had to wait half an hour for him to condescend to ask me in. What's the point of having appointments? <laughs> Hopeless. <laughs> Hopeless. Yeah. Are you listening, Dr. Hello. Ballion? <laughs> you were saying earlier you make a good ref. I don't think he's quite got the temperament for it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, probably not. Hey. You're booked. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, gentlemen? I think that's a good place to leave it there, I think, for tonight. Um, Great one. Well, three minutes early, that's a bit strong. Oh, all right. Well, we've got an opportunity then, Thorpe. Um, it's three minutes, to touch counting on down, 58, 59, three minutes from now. The, um, in the Wolves-Sheffield United game yesterday, there was a little yeah. tete between yes. two players. Um, two different camps in this. Some people saying that it's passionate, it's good to see. Some people saying, yeah, that's all well and good doing it behind closed doors, but don't let it happen like on the pitch. What's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm a little bit of agreeance with that. They should have, you know, it, but it, sometimes it just the passion. Listen, if you're a winner... You know, I remember at Dorchester having uh, a, a lad, a Chris, Welsh lad, Chris, uh, pinned up against the wall. You know, <laughs> it, it, and, I, and, I, and I'm not, it, it, the passion just gets to you. Half time, we were having the banner. He went over, for me, well over the top with his comments. And I'm not having done about nothing, you know. So it, sometimes it does get the better of you. Do you need to do it right on the pitch? No. Did they cross the line? Not really. So I think it was just showing the passion that they were both really animated. Listen, I want my players to be animated like that. I want them to show passion. So, you know, some of the best players, you know, the manager has got a problem half-time. Sometimes he just leaves it to the players and they sort it out themselves at half-time. 
In in that in that case, Sheffield United with the performances they've got this season, they'll be fighting every week. Every <laughs> single week, yeah, probably. But listen, it's it's been a difficult job for them. And if you if you look at the three clubs at the bottom of the league at the moment, you know it, it just goes to show how difficult it is to make that jump. Do you need passion in your squad? Absolutely. You know, but they've just found it extremely difficult this year. And I think that any team that that, that makes the jump, you know, you look at the Leicester side. They, they've probably got to change half their squad, I would say, to even start competing. You know, if they think that they've got a decent side there now, you can put that up to the Premiership, you're going to see a different kettle of fish and um, and a ruthlessness that, that, that they, they should know about, those players should know about. But um, to get a Premier League squad now together to stay at this level, you know, but Wolves have brought in a great man and he's done a fantastic job. And now they're reaping the benefits of, of, of it. Josh, as a player, do you ever have you ever been in a situation where you came close to sort of, you know, having a bit of an arg- argument on pitch? On the pitch? No. Yeah, with, with your own side. No, I've I've, I've I've usually tried diffusing them to be honest. Like, yeah. I think when I've yeah, I think try and keep it in the dressing room because those things do happen. Like Thorpey says. Yeah, quite. You kind of have to let them happen sometimes in the dressing room. If you keep stepping, if someone wants to kind of go at someone, you kind of have to let it because I think it's it's a real coming of a coming of a emotions. Yeah, and and like you, nine times out of ten, people come out the other side much better for it. Relationships get built on them. Yeah, sort of yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And and you kind of look at the bloke next to you after something like that, and you think he's got my back, like or. I'd want him in the trenches with me. I know everyone says that, but you kind of have that siege mentality where you go, "Well, he's a fighter, so I'd rather stick with him than someone who doesn't care, couldn't care less." And I think, I think sometimes they boil over in the dressing room. It doesn't happen very often, but but I, I try and I would always try and diffuse it on the pitch, just so I think the image you're portraying to the other team when that sort of thing happens, yeah. they kind of think, "Oh, we've got him here." Whereas if you stay calm and in control. Regardless of what goes on in the dressing room, you, you you keep the fight a bit more even against the other team. Well, now you're 33 minutes, uh, 33, no, 44 <laughs> seconds over now. I, th- I thought you were going to say that. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up out there. It, um, just to say as well. has got too that... much to say about his bloody grass. That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> when my nan listens to this afterwards and there's nothing to do with grass she, and you've cut it all out, she's going to be devastated. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say as well, it is a midweek round of um, fifth round for FA Cup. So tonight, Maidstone have got their big game against Coventry. Three games on Tuesday, Bournemouth, Leicester, Blackburn, Newcastle, Luton, Man City. And then on Wednesday, you've got Chelsea, Leeds, Forest, Man United, Wolves, Brighton and Liverpool, Southampton. So lots of midweek action to enjoy as well. Bring them back to earth. Come on, Saints. (laughs) Paul Thorpe, thank you very much and enjoy Spain. Thank you again. very much. Can you bring some thank rock you. back for us, Thorpey? Some I'll Spanish bring rock. Back some rock. I'll see if I can find you some rock, all right? Yeah. yeah. What, like Gibraltar? <laughs> yeah. No. Might have a job getting that on the plane, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gav Cheatham, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Thank you. Enjoyed that. Good. Josh, Josh Launton, good to speak to you, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It's been I've enjoyed talking to you all tonight. Thanks. <laughs> Don't worry, Excellent. we'll have you on again. <laughs> Maybe one day. I'll, I'll watch the football that weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might be useful. 
It's a very good from myself. Hey, sign us off tonight. Yeah, well, thank you everybody for listening to football. Bloody hell. Good night.